0: Welcome to the first Mag Culture podcast of this new decade, I'm Jeremy Leslie. We're sat in the Mag Culture shop here in Claferwell, London, plenty going on around us, um, we've got fresh coffee, the new magazines are being delivered, the rush our traffic is yet to subside and the bells from City University next door will be keeping us to time as we proceed through the podcast. On the contents page of this edition we flick through some new magazines that are so new we haven't even seen them yet. We flick through some actual new magazines that we have in front of us. And we'll be doing that with our special guest, David Lane, who is the co founder and editor in chief, creative director of The Gourmand. Um, I first met David and his uh, life partner and work partner, uh, Marina. Um, way back at the beginning of Gormand, I think I think it was the launch party of the second issue. But I got to know them particularly well when we both were involved in a conference in Singapore, something which we'll be coming back to uh, later in this episode. Uh, and then we end up with our back issue, and this time around we're looking back at the first edition of Buffalo Zine. First of all, those new magazines. In fact, newer than new. People often ask us how many new magazines we get to hear about and they sometimes react somewhat sceptically uh, when I suggest we, ha- we hear of new launches every day. So I thought I'd just quickly run through a few recent emails we've received about new magazines over the last 48 hours leading up to this recording. Not just ideas for magazines, but these are finished new launches being offered to us to stock at the shop. So um, we've got three from the last 48 hours all of which are serious projects first up is Senate which has just launched after a successful Kickstarter campaign it comes from um, film writer Dan Jolin and designer James Hunter uh, and it's all about the art of board games it's a very niche subject but I'm sure there's a, a bunch of niche specialist readers who are going to be into that the PDFs look really smart and it's got pl- plenty of um, really strong illustrations so I'm looking forward to seeing that in real life. Next up is something a bit more conceptual, Uh, The Light Observer is a new magazine, it's a biannual that looks at light in all its forms and it appears to involve a healthy mix of artists and scientists, we don't have an awful lot about science so I don't know how scientific this is going to get, but light is a great subject, it looks great online but I'm keen to see the physical item, it comes from Italy and a designer based there called Hugh Berger. And then lastly, a free magazine, uh, Anxiety Empire, concerns uh, mental health. Um, it's free because, as, as the founder, um, Zoe Howe, says, um, they, they want it to be as accessible to the people that need it as possible. And they're kick-starting. Uh, she says each quarter we'll be looking at a different system like language, money or gender and exploring how this impacts the mental health uh, of us as individuals. So there are three really strong ideas, strong finished magazines that are going to be out and available soon. And that gives you a sort of picture of the sort of thing that's happening on a weekly basis and the things that we're coming across on a weekly basis. Um, So those are very, very new magazines. Moving on to some new magazines we actually have in front of us here. But um, first of all, I'm going to welcome uh, our guest for the day, uh, David Lane. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. The first magazine I pulled out here is Family Portraits which is a hefty beast. Um, It's something like 300 pages, but it's a vast series of photo stories, as the name suggests, about uh, the look at family in its many forms. Um, It's founded by Ben Freeman, who um, listeners might know from True Journal. It's quite similar in format, um, but but with a family focus. Uh, You're flicking through it. It looks great. Well, I mean, there's eight or oh, 10
1: photo essays by some really great photographers. There's Glenn Lutchford, Coco Capitan, Samuel Bradley, Elaine Constantine, to name a few.
0: It's a good mix of, of, of people. And this is the archive material as well. It's not, just, it's not new material, it's a kind of collection. Um, and and it's... it looks great. I suppose the hardest thing of doing fashion mags
1: is having you know, the means to produce shoots with photographers who are used to quite a, a large scale of production. Yeah. And, and it seems like and big and, budgets yeah, yeah, or yeah. you know, even if they're doing things themselves, like how do you how do you get in touch with them and how do you orchestrate mm. that and organise that? And it seems like a very clever way of getting people to do something because everyone, you know, it's almost a mixture of your off time yeah. <laughs> and your yeah. on time.
0: It's much easier to fit something into your schedule if it's about your yeah. family. Indeed. I mean, I guess from the point of view of... I mean, if he, for instance, I think um, Glenn Lutchford's story is all about his son, Billy. And they're, they're a great set. They're, I mean, this is something... I, I mean, I guess this is probably a long-term personal project that he's been doing with with, with his son. Um, there's all sorts of different locations. This isn't a shoot that's been done, especially... This yeah, and ages by together. the looks of it. Yeah. It yeah. Almost, I mean, not quite boyhood, but there's, there's yeah. a progression... And there's a, there's a great quote at the beginning of it from um, from Glenn, actually. Um, when I see an opportunity, I grab the camera and pounce on him before he has time to realise what's happening. <laughs> um, I can get one, maybe two shots off before he bolts. And then he also talks photographing my son Billy requires a technique similar to that of a war photographer, <laughs> which uh, he'll only sit for a picture for a, for a maximum of 10 seconds. And that kind of shows So they're all 10
1: seconds is... It's
0: pretty good going, I right? don't think either of my sons have ever been still for more than a second. <laughs> but that kind of shows it, all the pictures are, that you can sense they're sort of just caught in yeah. the moment. It's really um, lovely. I
1: suppose so much of what fashion photographers do is completely fictional yeah you know that that's the whole point of fashion photography is creating a kind of mm-hmm. completely fictional world and to have something that's so personal was
0: really nice so yeah yeah a good and, point so, and so and so buried i mean you know there's there's the kids and then later on um elaine constantine's got a bunch of 70 year olds and their tea dances so it's you know it's, it's proper it's family amazing yeah kids to grandparents
1: I think it's a perfect example of a magazine that's got a very simple, clear yeah. concept that you can totally understand as a reader. And it's, in a good way, n- not too complicated to put together. Yeah, so a small yeah, team yeah, can yeah. put it together and it doesn't compromise the quality. They're not trying to do too much. It looks great.
0: At the other end of the scale, I mean, I think I, think that was, I, think I said that was about 300 pages. and the other end of the scale, a little newsprint project printed by the newspaper club and coming in at 24 pages i think we might have mentioned this on the podcast before i've certainly talked about it to a lot of people the um the south london review of hand dryers issue three um we were talking in the shop uh, yesterday about this because um the anonymous editor who works under the name of wedgley snipes <laughs> came in to drop off the copies they the whole team were under under um I love that. Uh, it. It makes memes.
1: me really happy, and <laughs> more happy that there's three issues, and that there are enough hand dryers in the world. to Well, this is this is what we were about. talking
0: about yesterday. It's kind of when I first saw it, I thought that's that's a great idea for a one-off magazine, and that's that's fantastic. I'm really glad they did that. I wonder what they'll do next. But then they came back with issue two, issue three. It's 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 genuinely developing. <laughs> it's,
1: <laughs> Wedgley Snipes is in this for a long time, not for a good time.
0: <laughs> yes, the.
1: Uh, it's a very impressive masthead for um, yes. something like this. What the number of people? Well, the number of people. <laughs> just the the impression you get from it is is very professional and well
0: organised. Absolutely, as it should be. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's the, a very serious project, David. It's, 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 uh, there's a huge team. It takes a lot of work running around <laughs> London reviewing hand dryers. I wanted to draw attention to the Dyson Airblade 9KJ, which is which is so well received um, in fact this, this particular one is installed at the yard in, jo- in Shoreditch so well received that the editor himself went and reviewed it so it's wow. obviously a, a, a very serious product
1: 9.1 out of 10 Gosh. absolutely
0: yes um, and I, I can vouch for this I, w- I was at an event the other night where um, unfortunately the sink was slightly blocked and when I came to dry my hands the, the it was so powerful the Dyson Airblade that it caused waves in the sink <laughs> Um, oh, I look forward to issue four. Indeed, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, well, uh, onwards. I mean, he's, he, he was full of excitement about the next issue and how well it's coming together. Um, the cover's got. An, uh, I mean, if we were just looking at a big fat photo magazine, this is all about illustration. And there's, and there's a lovely um, celebration of Dyson's birthday. I assume there's a Dyson. There's the original Dyson Airblade on the cover with the birthday cake. So, um, <laughs> happy birthday, Dyson! If that's what that's about, I don't know. I don't know. Um, not to be taken seriously, I think you know the the family portrait is a very serious project albeit light-hearted at times this is absolutely tongue-in-cheek but very important that we have a magazine that's that, like that Yeah, I think I'd be equally inclined to buy and keep both of them So the question is w- would you buy Vogue Italia? <clears throat> um,
1: if I had a specific reason
0: probably to do with work. It's a bit of a leading question because uh, <laughs> we, have, we have the latest Vogue Italia in front of us and There's a little kind of cut out asterisk attached to the logo and at the bottom that asterisk leads to a little line that is tacked on which um, explains that no photo shoot production was required in the making of this issue. Um, So this is the January issue of Vogue Italia and it's been um, launched with a fanfare of publicity highlighting the environmental costs of the photo shoots that go into making a monthly fashion magazine like like, uh, Vogue Italia. Um, as I say the cover promises no photo shoot production went into it so instead the whole issue is um, has been announced as being illustrated Um, and as uh, as we noted on the journal recently uh, its editor Emmanuel Fernati, listed the ways in which shoots cause environmental damage he writes 150 people involved about 20 flights a dozen or so train journeys 40 cars on standby 60 international deliveries, lights switched on for at least 10 hours non-stop, partly powered by gasoline fueled generators, food waste from the catering services, plastic to wrap the garments, electricity to recharge phones, cameras, and he goes on. And that gives a sense of just how much energy and waste has been saved by this issue, in theory. Yeah, I mean, good on them for doing it, but...
1: A couple of caveats would yeah, be yeah, that yeah. photo shoots don't have to be like that. Perhaps exactly, Vogue needs yeah. to look at itself a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of the production that it um, perpetuates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, printing ten times as many magazines as you sell and disposing mm-hmm. of them probably has more environmental impact. Yeah. it's brilliant they've done it, but now it's been stated what's yeah. what will change for, for the next yeah, ones. Yeah. You know, will it be back to normal? Will it be excessive, over yeah. the top, ridiculous yeah, shoot yeah. production, or will it be? You know, you'd hope the the latter also flicking through it there's a huge amount of photography in it which i suppose highlights <laughs> either like how much kind of sponsored content there is and these images are perhaps being given to the magazine mm-hmm. by brands but you know from page up to page 70 from the beginning it's pretty much all photography
0: which i guess i mean i guess some of it must be stock imagery stuff that was already shot uh, but also as yeah. you say um provided by clients i don't know um but we should also just highlight there are some beautiful illustrations. When, when you get the, I mean, the covers are beautiful, and uh, there's yeah. some lovely illustrations by some great illustrators. So it's, there's good. There's good. The illustration does exist. It's just some far, some way off being a completely illustrated issue.
1: And it's a really lovely idea, and it shows that you know you don't need to do these really. Mm. Hugely excessive photo shoots. I mean, there, there
0: is a long tradition of fashion illustration going all the way. In fact, the early, the early Vogues would be have yeah. beautifully um, illustrated yeah. front covers, and it'd be great to see more of that happening. Anyhow, um, so I th- a bit more work to be done there, I think. The,
1: yeah, but good on them for you know, for raising the issue. Yeah, but
0: definitely. it just it just shows how complicated it is, and it, and and you have to see it right through to the end. And unfortunately, it, it, to just to sort of um, finish off on, on uh, with, with that magazine. It arrives in a single-use plastic wrapper, which just yeah. is just so, de- <laughs> you've got yeah. to carry through. The last magazine I wanted to highlight is, is an old favourite that we both know well. We, um, we both had uh, the pleasure of meeting these guys in Singapore when we were there um, for the conference down there. Um, and the latest issue of their magazine, Rubbish Famzine, has just arrived, which is made by the Lynn family. Which is also in its own way a sort of family portrait. Uh, it is absolutely it's very family orientated it's um for those of you who don't know it's uh, i mean li- this is very low low run in terms of they produce 300 copies of this per issue there's a family of four so there's the father pan there's the mum claire and the two children um ren and Ariya, who have um been d- working on this since they were tiny they're both kind of i think about teenagers now but the four of them still produce this magazine together and they've worked on th- it's very family orientated they be- it's handmade largely, it's beautifully printed, but then all the pieces are put together by hand. And the amount of work that goes into each issue is mm-hmm. just
1: uncomprehensible. They're so beautifully put together and and the layers of content and complexity and interest yeah. and the design and
0: everything is uh, it's incredible. So this one's all about um, the chair. Various aspects of chairs are, are examined from um, the his- history of chairs modernist or, design. There's a
1: little supplement here about um, Netflix and chairs.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, uh, and that's literally that. I mean, that's highlighting famous modernist examples of furniture in various movies and, <laughs> and TV shows. Uh, the page sizes vary. The, the, then you get to a really high gloss section at the back, which is a kind of overview of Memphis, Memphis Candyland. Yeah. Um,
1: this is a sort of IKEA hack bit at the back that's cut yeah. with a zigzag. And printed on that kind of paper, that IKEA um, yeah. <coughs> manuals, and it's got some lovely um, designs uh, for how to hack
0: So they So they've taken, I mean, IKEA we're sitting stalls. on them right now, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the famous uh, Froster stool, uh, and they, they've hacked it uh, to try and convert it into a, a Memphis-style seat. Which looks so really good. It, yeah, but it is ama- it's amazing the detail they go into it. I've hacked back. a few of these myself, have, actually. Have yeah. Yeah. Is it a thing? Is this? Hacking
1: Ikea stuff is a thing. And actually, even at the back of this is a real chair that you can make. Absolutely. But is the, in, well, this is
0: the highlight of it all. There, there is actually a, a, a cut-out and build miniature chair. A tiny
1: baggie with screws and then like a beautiful sort of Airfix-style um, pop-out chair construction on lovely wood-covered yeah. cardboard.
0: It's done with such wit that that little kit is called Chairfix. And just like the Airfix models and stuff, so there's all sorts of sort of nods back to kind of very British sort of traditions of of, of childhood games and such like. Um, it's beautiful. so good, be so nicely um, done. It's, it's it's always gorgeous, it's always exciting to receive that. And um, and
1: actually, the whole thing is housed in a, a box, which is exactly like a, the old Airfix. Yeah,
0: yeah, indeed. Boxes. So that's some of the stuff that we've um, dug out from the shop uh, that's that's there at the moment. Um, but then also sitting alongside all of these, we do have the new issue of the Gormand. Hey. It's been a while. So uh, has it has it been a year? Since the Not last quite. One? No, okay. no,
1: it's somewhere between uh, a biannual and an annual. This mm-hmm. issue to do with when Christmas fell. Although we can't really use that as an excuse
0: because Christmas does tend to be in the same time. Yeah, you kind of know it's coming. <laughs> so. <laughs> And then, But you're also responsible now for the art direction of Freeze magazine.
1: Yeah, yeah, so
0: I've been doing that for a couple of years. So the sort of, yeah,
1: I do Freeze, the Gourmand, then the studio that I run that does more commercial art direction for um, campaigns and mm-hmm. films and fashion and stuff.
0: So you're a busy man, but you've got the new issue out. The natural place to start is the cover. And I've seen some discussion about what the cover means and what the cover is. It's, um, do you want to describe it? It's a very iconic, tight crop
1: of a classic can of cola
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with the sort of Father Christmas red yeah. and a beautiful, polished, brushed aluminium top. With some of the liquid, it's just been opened on the top. It. Yeah, um, um, it sort of reminded me a, a bit of the. Um, have you seen the the Paulish, uh, Bob James hot dog? Yes. Yeah yeah, 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 it's that yeah. That kind yeah, of yeah. Yeah. So it, know, it's such an iconic thing. Put massive on it.
0: So, th- but that, but that, um, what what interests me is that it it um, has a photo credit to it. Yeah, it is a photograph. It is a photograph. And yeah, it, it it is so it has that feel of a photograph that is turned into an illustration
1: yeah but without the use of filters or anything Mm -hmm. I think that comes from the perfection of the composition and just how iconic Mm -hmm. the angle and framing and subject is Mm -hmm. um that really makes it look like a painting like if you were to paint a can of coke and you were a kind of 60s photorealist pop yeah. artist that's probably how would you be. would
0: do it yeah yeah But you know, I, mean, I mean it's a really strong iconic image and, um, and uh, so, so when it comes to making the front covers you know you've done various sort of uh, uh, you did the cookie monster you've done you've done ver- you've various still life types th- things in the cover was this shot for the cover or, or was this this was of, shot for the uh-huh. cover
1: the, there's a feature inside that um, I was working with Bobby Doherty who yeah. I work with a lot who's a wonderful photographer on another feature, and in the process of making that feature, um, we discussed this image. There was an image in that that sort of led to the thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But I think with all our covers, we try to embrace that sort of iconic populist imagery. Yeah. And whether it's the Cookie Monster or a can of Coke, I think it's, uh, it's these kind of <clears throat> iconic moments and objects in in the world of of food and drink that don't have to be incredibly uh niche or hidden or or mm. contemporary you know they're like the the moments that have come
0: through into popular culture i think that's a really interesting point because i mean we were to, you know, talking earlier about some of the niches that magazines launch into and that that needn't mean that they're not Popular or you know yeah, p- appealing I mean, to a far bro- broader range of people, but you can get there are magazines, independent magazines that are willfully obscure, which is fine. That's their choice. But I mean, I it, love the South London Review. of yeah, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always, I think, I've realised that the things I like the most are when something is done at a really fantastic level and can appeal to a, a mass audience. Without alienating, um, you know, a more elite audience. Yeah. And they're things like, you know, supermarket logos or cartoons or series that unanimously, whether you're like a professor of philosophy at Harvard or a, you know, kid in somewhere else, you can both enjoy it and like it and get get something from it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to take you back to something you mentioned there about the the sort of the quality of what you're doing, because the the one thing that always shines through, and, and you know, I'd love to talk to, uh, more specifically about some of the actual stories in the issue, but overall, what always comes across is the the quality of um, of the writing, editing, the the imagery, the typography, the production, the printing, all the aspects of what you do that you know you're aiming for the highest. Yeah point. Don't like to um, make it easy for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <also I> think <laughs> which when, probably partly <laughs> runs into how, how long it takes to put it together. But, but. When,
1: when you're investing so much of your own time into something, you know, as you know, you're just gonna notice the things that aren't perfect about it mm-hmm. when it's done, at least for the first six months or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. um, so you just have to do it all perfectly. And I kind of really admire people that can do stuff
0: not like that. Because it's also (laughs) quite nice just to get it out there and get it done. How how does the story begin? I mean, take, for instance, and we were talking about... Environmental cost of fashion shoots. There's the story with Dan Tobin Smith yeah. about single use plastic. Yeah, with Rachel Thomas. Yeah. 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 Which is a, a beautiful series of images. I mean, a stunningly beautiful series of images of, of single use plastic. Yeah. In the sense that one day this will be history. Yeah. Um, how, how does, first of all, how does a story like that come, come about? So we commission a lot
1: of stuff. I'd say 90% of everything in the publication is an idea that's come from us that's an interesting exception because Rachel who I work with a lot on um, other projects Rachel Thomas who's a brilliant set designer um, me and her have talked a lot about the environment and a, a lot about um, you know factors that affect our work and issues we have and as we know there's no clear simple yeah, yeah. path it's a very nuanced thing especially with what we do And we've really wanted to do something that talks about that in the publication, but have never really found the right way to do it. It was sort of... The hope would be that you would look at these almost as your future self looking back as that they're these kind of ridiculous artifacts from the past Uh that in themselves are quite beautiful, but actually prove that their functionality is like completely unnecessary. and somehow, also to show the the volume of use of of them now, so it was like trying to find that balance between some optimism about how mm. it can change and how we can look at it, but also highlighting highlighting the issues that exist now
0: and and for me, I mean, yeah, you know, as I say, I think the images are fantastic, but almost what makes the whole thing is the headline, which is um. Was a pun, it was, a, it was, a, it was yeah. a, a Well, it's one word, it has two meanings it's refuse as in rubbish, and it's also refuse as in yeah, deny, yeah. Um, and it's that kind of level of detail, I think, that just sort of makes you almost don't need to say anything. Yeah, other than that headline. And the
1: you know, this two sentences below, there were probably seven people involved in making sure yeah. they uh-huh. were the right yeah, two yeah, sentences. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Dan and Rachel were involved in talking to Ananda, our editor, about exactly what the piece was about, and I was involved. Ananda and Gregor, the sub-editor, worked on it, and then Rich, a proofreader, would have proofread it. We would have looked at it in layout, Mm -hmm, changed mm -hmm. it, how it sat with the headline, how it's printed. There's a high-gloss varnish on the images and not on the rest of it. The size they're printed. I mean, Dan sent incredibly accurate, scary proofs, and it's such a minute, detailed thing that I don't think you would have been able to reproduce it actually in most magazines printed
0: just on yeah. a big press, yeah, yeah, on a yeah. web
1: press or something. You, you just wouldn't yeah. see
0: it. But then I get, but it takes that amount of work to, z- to zero in on the on the sort of pure essence of it, and it ends up it's a series. I think eight images, and it looks as simple as anything. I mean, you know, obviously you look at it and you realise a lot. Of, you know, it didn't yeah. just happen, but so much of what you just described the reader is blind to and you just think these are stunning images beautifully made and the other thing i noticed about this issue in particular i mean there's always been strong illustration but um as uh, my colleague steph who runs collage club um was very excited to see the issue because there's a lot of collage going on in it yeah the, um is that just coincidence that there's several features that are sort of no. very collage orientated? Or is that something that you, you've I think discovered t- and are excited by yourself? Or
1: I think it's just a bit of a response to sort of austerity of like a lot of <laughs> visuals in the world. And uh-huh. Just stuff that's a bit more fun and, and like you feel the energy in it. And yeah, there's you can see the process in, in, in how it's been put together. But I think there's only one photo essay in here which is sort of considered still life of food
0: yeah anyway. yeah yeah which is something you've done a lot of in the past and <coughs> yeah but i'm interested that you so you you're sort of self aware I mean, you're you're aware of what the magazine has been doing and sort of almost sort of by, with the new issue sort of beginning to critique some stuff move on from what you've done in yeah. the past to try and do something different definitely absolutely in response to what's happened before and
1: not just you know, I think you keep a lot of this, the parameters the same, but within those, what can we do to keep, keep evolving and, and what can we do to change it? And also just generally how I'm thinking about visuals in the world and, and, and where they're at. And, um, I mean, we always try and make stuff that hopefully feels timeless and, and isn't based on the now, but equally you need to respond to the visual landscape that exists.
0: With Freeze being on a much faster schedule, do you sort of relish that's the speed of completion on that project as opposed to the Gourmand? Yeah, so absolutely. In mean, a you different can, framework, you're just still producing pages. You know, we're working on like
1: 10 covers in a day at Freeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the Freeze covers I like just as much, if not more, as some of the Gourmand covers mm-hmm. and vice versa. But you always know with Freeze that there's going to be seven more that year, so yeah. it doesn't have to be quite as <laughs> precious. The Gourmand, like every single cover, has to really sit yeah, within yeah. this this little um, place.
0: And I, and I guess something uh, a more sort of specifically focused magazine like like Freeze, not, yeah. not just art, but a very particular contemporary area of art, has many more editorial um pressures on it in terms of yeah. we, we really, you know the only story this issue has to be this person and how it might be very difficult to make a cover out of their work or Exactly. I mean also the the biggest difference
1: visually in terms of my job is probably in the Gourmand I'd say ninety five percent of the imagery we make mm-hmm. or we're, you know, heavily editing and working with the archive imagery. Yeah. There's not any stock imagery, there's not any imagery given to us by PR companies or stuff that exists that we're just using with Freeze it's about art and so making new imagery isn't as relevant and it's probably flipped where probably only 5-10% of the imagery we're making for Freeze is stuff that we're commissioning, we're changing that and we we do have visual commissions in the magazine that I work with artists on
0: and also, I'm sure you, you, in collaborating very closely with creative photographers and illustrators in the Gormand, you're very careful how you um, reproduce and, and represent their work and would, I imagine, never crop anything without discussing it with them first. But clearly in the art world, there's no, I mean, if you've got a, a beautiful piece of art by famous painter, there's no way you're going to crop in on a detail unless there's a... Yeah, very strong reason that you're trying to make a point about something in the picture, but for for a cover image, you you can't crop it down. You know? Some are just a no. You know, there's there's some work has
1: to be represented as the work. I think generally people appreciate that a magazine cover is a specific format, and that that what works perfectly on a magazine cover isn't necessarily what's going to work in an exhibition catalogue or or um, in an in an artist book. So there's a bit of leniency, especially given the fact that people want to be on the cover. Right. <laughs> okay. It's like <laughs> yeah, okay. it's going to be like this, and you yeah. can be on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or it's not going to be like that, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be on the cover. We would never. I think put that's it a really interesting like, point. Quite actually, that directly. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. that's just the decision you come to but sometimes. So.
0: I think that's something that maybe gets overlooked by a lot of people, even if, even those involved in in making magazines. That actually, there's a currency to being on a front cover that means people will bend to your will to. D- absolutely and like the politics of how you kind of keep
1: multiple conversations going for a cover when you're not sure where they're going to end up without yeah. letting anyone down or upsetting anyone and um, yeah how that all works
0: so I in mean, that it context it must be very refreshing to come back to the Gorman and it's like <laughs> yeah. I mean largely down to you but a, a quick discussion and everyone, yeah, that's the cover exactly you know
1: I think this I text Bobby to a crop of Photograph he done mm-hmm. with a thing on it late at night.
0: Could you redo this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just looking at the contents page of, of, of the new issue, and there's a, there's a whole lot of little um, thumbnails of of the imagery, which which immediately gives you a sense of the scope of the magazine. But looking at this, I mean, other. You know, one of the things that fascinates me is the scope of, of what you do. And you mentioned being populist and sort of the, the, that mix of, of specialism and populism. Are there a couple of stories here that for you kind of sum up the issue and sum up the breadth of what you're able to do in the government?
1: Yeah, I mean, we were chatting before, but we've got Ghetto Gastro, the amazing collective from New York. We did a sort of their manifesto, their kind of a to Z, illustrated A to Z of... of ideas that sit behind their practice,
0: and, and the imagery there is very kind of it's black and white, very dark.
1: Yeah, there's some colour imagery in there. It's you know it's 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 portraiture. There's also still life, which which represents some of the things that are being discussed. It's kind of yeah, like an illustrated A to Z. And then so that's that's of the now, and that's in in New York. And then we go to London, back to the sixties, and there's a, a feature on. Uh, the restaurant that was on top of the then post office tower. Is it called the BT Tower now? I think it is the yeah. BT Tower, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the revolving restaurant that was run by Butlins, but frequented <laughs> by like all the kind of hipsters of the day. And then there's another contemporary piece. Mason, who runs Turkey and the Wolf, this amazing restaurant in New Orleans sort of sandwich place, um, does a food tour of New Orleans, showing us all his favourite places. Again, like very contemporary... And then you've got a piece on Ernest Hemingway and a piece on Dorothy Anoni's cookbook. So we kind of jump around the past mm-hmm. and the present and sandwiches. And the local and the
0: international. Local, and, yeah. international,
1: like, you know, sandwiches, fine dining, Ernest Hemingway, Get a Gastro. <laughs> There's Ruth Reichel in there, amazing editor of uh, Gourmet magazine. Great restaurant in Bogota, Leo Bogota. Some fiction, all sorts of good stuff.
0: Brilliant. Well, it's a lovely new issue, so thank you very much for coming in and uh, talking us through it. Good to see you. Thank you very much. I'll be back in a moment with this episode's Back Issue. London Printers Park Communications are a key part of the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers make their dreams a reality. As well as helping you achieve the highest creative standards, Park are fully committed to helping you produce your magazine in the most environmentally friendly and sustainable manner. Check their new website for details. Search Park Communications. Just like MagCulture, Park love magazines and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. thanks again to david lane for joining us while he has gone around the front to sort of have a look through some of the the other magazines that are in stock at the moment uh, we can turn to our back issue which this time round is buffalo zine which of course is still being published we, are, we generally feature magazines that are no longer being published in this section but i was keen to mention buffalo zine partly because it's a favorite magazine of mine and everyone here at, at, uh, at mag culture but also because with their last issue issue which was their 10th one um they didn't really make much of a deal with the birthday at the time but they have just uh, recently done a little post on the ID website where they celebrated that 10th anniversary with a series of images and what the team did was they went through all their, the back catalogue of all the 10 issues. each person selected one image that they really really liked or in some way re- represented their role in the magazine and um, they dressed up and posed as the, as the model in those images and so we get a whole, whole bunch of absurd images of people dread, pretending to to replicate um, the, the the one i i wanted just to highlight was uh, editor-in-chief and founder adrian's um, replica of the very first cover of the very first issue and i thought it was worth mentioning that because buffalo zine is is known for changing its format and um, shape-shifting in every aspect of what it does each issue but this first issue even from the beginning, it was, it was very, very strong in its mix of really great uh, photography and fashion, very high-end, real-world fashion, uh, alongside a great sense of humour and a great sense of sort of self-awareness and self-knowledge about what they were doing. So this one, it was printed on newsprint. Um, I'm turning through it here. It's got that familiar newspaper sound. Um, but they actually, it's, it's kind of tabloid size, but then within that, they printed... Images from a magazine, so it's a kind of magazine within a magazine. So the pages themselves are smaller than the pages that we're looking at, but they're printed, uh, and then they are annotated. And, and a particular highlight for me was the uh, the contents spread, where it's got all the contents from the issue. But then they were able to get Bruce Weber, the uh, superstar photographer, to annotate his thoughts about what was in the issue, and and the issue proceeds from there. It's just it's a fantastic piece of 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 sort of meta publishing that um, features a magazine within a magazine and yet at the same time they've still got fantastic photography um, it's huge I mean I, I don't know again I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not on the scale of the uh, family portraits we we're looking at but it's a, a good uh, couple of hundred pages and it's a fantastic kind of entry into the world um, I love it and it's set, it set the tone very much for their future issues so it's a, if you can track one of these issues down uh, I can recommend it if you can't get a copy of the actual issue, just it's well, it's certainly worth looking at the ID site and and the piece um, where 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 they're all uh, replicating these pictures. Um, for the second issue, um, and in fact this is perhaps my favourite of of the whole set. Uh, David, the managing editor of Buffalo, um, recreates uh, a shot of Chloe Sevigny. Um, and he just he gets her expression even though he's bearded he's got a wig on and he gets her expression and look over the shoulder so perfect Um, definitely has a future in modelling we'll end this episode with um, just a few details of upcoming events the first ones for 2020 Um, first up we have a new series of events at the shop kicking off on the 20th of february Each of the new We Love Nights will bring together two magazines making waves in a particular area, one at the very beginning of its journey uh, paired with an established indie title with multiple issues under its belt. Uh, The first one of these, We Love Sport, takes place on the 20th of February and sees Ro Jackson, founder of new women's sports magazine Slow, join Dan Sanderson, who's the editor-in-chief and founder of Mundial magazine, the football magazine, uh, about to publish its 20th issue. Uh, tickets are on sale now and then a little later in march the flat plan returns this is our magazine making masterclass. Uh, it's a day of talks from specialists who will help you with everything you need to launch your own magazine and that takes place on sunday the 15th of march here at the shop Uh, our previous flat plan days have helped the development of magazines including icarus complex fawn ephemeral louche and 502 bad gateway full details of both are on magculture.com so that's it for this episode thanks for listening thanks to david for joining us and um, look out for the next episode soon